Dear Father, I want to thank you for all of the warnings you've given us and also the, the stuff that you've put in your word so that give us directions. And uh, Today we're going to get into some stuff that is uh, old traditional skills and we thank you that those are still around and so that we can learn them. And so we ask that you send your Holy Spirit here. Help us to uh, pick up on what we're going to need, whatever it is that, that we're going to face. We want you to go ahead and uh, give us the knowledge to go ahead and do that. So come Holy Spirit, be with us. And uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, yesterday we talked about several different stories in the Bible that helped us to to understand that God wants to take care of the danger. He wants us to look to Him. Okay? And that He's able to do that. Able and willing. And so <clears throat> that's what we did yesterday. Now, <clears throat> we're talking about living in the wilderness in the end times. And uh, there are several areas. I teach wilderness survival. Actually, uh, I guess I should introduce a couple here. I'm Jay Peterson, and uh, I've been in wilderness survival. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a student and a teacher for 30 years now. Okay, I say a student because there are still things I'm learning. Okay, you can be in, you can be in this for a lifetime, and still somebody will come along and say, "Well, hey, look how I did this." Oh, yeah, I didn't thought of that. You know, so I'm still a student as well as an instructor. So, and I've been at it for quite a while. And uh, this next guy on the list is Scott Fezenden. He's actually the one that got me started. And uh, Scott is over in the Hesperia area. And <clears throat> Scott actually went to Tom Brown's school. Anybody here ever hear of Tom Brown? Okay, I've got a couple. Tom Brown is a, is a gentleman that... Uh, he and his friend, when they were boys, had an Indian that taught them a lot of things on how to live out in the wilderness. And after Tom got a little older, there were times when the, he, he lives out east. There were times when the state police would hire him and have him come and help them to find someone that was lost. And there were times when they found the person when it was too late. And uh, it bothered Tom when, when they found a person that had been overcome by cold and they had passed away when if they'd have just known some skills like we're going to go over today, they'd have been just fine. There were times when they found people that had starved to death <clears throat> and they were in the middle of a field that was full of wild edibles. And that bothered him. And so Tom Brown is actually the one that started survival training schools that has now gone clear across the nation and even worldwide. And uh, Scott got interested in that, and he went out to Tom Brown's school. Well, a little later on, after Scott come back here and he practiced his skills, later on he was out at Tom Brown's school as a teacher. And uh, Scott started doing a lot of seminars. Him and I both do a lot of seminars. He started doing a lot. And uh, he even did a TV show 
which we will see a little clip of part of that today. And uh, also our military heard about Scott and uh, our military here in Michigan hires Scott every year to go to Grayling and teach our special forces. Okay, a lot of times our special forces will get cut off from their supplies and they have to make it back on their own without their supplies. And so they have Scott come up. Actually, there's sometimes he does it two times. There's an area down in the southern part of the state, but a lot of times at Grayling. And uh, so, <clears throat> actually, I'm kind of lucky, though, because Scott's my brother-in-law. And so we get chance, uh, not as much chance anymore, to get together and just go play. And uh, But we've done a couple this year already where well, we were actually making arrowheads out of flint. So, you know, it's a couple of things we, we do. And so making tools, you know. And so Scott's my brother-in-law. The next guy on there is Ray Mears. And Ray Mears I've never actually shook hands with. But, <clears throat> you know, you can be in this for a long time, learn a lot of things. And there's always somebody that knows more. You ever notice that? You know, even the experts, you know, they're an expert. Some people call me an expert, and I ask them, okay, well, where is the threshold when you actually become an expert? Well, it's survival, you know, and, uh, but, you know, all these experts, and Ray is the guy that Scott and I look up to. Okay, there are things that Ray can do that when you go to the survival schools, they tell you you can't do can't do this, but Ray doesn't, okay? And uh, Ray is another one that's, uh, uh, Scott and I, we've always been interested in the old traditional skills, okay? Th these are the ways that the Indians actually used to live. That was, that was a way of life for them. And how do they do it? Well, that's what we've always been interested in. Ray is another one that has studied into that great deal. And uh, he's traveled all over the world and uh, even gone to some of the tribes that are still, you know, backwoods tribes and learned from them their skills. And uh, so Ray is another guy, and, and uh, <clears throat> I think we'll have a couple little things on here. Normally, when I do this, you know, these sessions are two hours long or more. And uh, as you'll notice on the schedule, we only got about an hour, 15 minutes in this one. So <clears throat> these will be kind of condensed. And so some of that stuff that Ray does, well, we will have Ray on our fire series because he'll do a couple of those for us up there on the screen. So <clears throat> so anyways, we'll have Ray to help us out as well on the screen. And, you know, if you Google Ray Mears or YouTube him, you'll see all kinds of his stuff there. So <clears throat> I wanted to introduce those guys. This is our website, although currently our website's down, and our webmaster's working on it. I haven't talked to him today. Actually, I haven't talked to him. My wife contacted him. Um, I did contact the guy that hosts our website, and he was going to check into it too. So I don't know if it's up yet, but that's the website. Now, we do have a Facebook page as well with the same name. Okay, So if, you go, if you're on Facebook and you go look and look for the basic survival, the number four, end time events and uh, you'll find our, our website and also our Facebook page and so you'll see things that are going on. 
<clears throat> okay, Mrs. White has told us a lot of things about the time that we're headed into. You know, we're right at the door, actually. The door's opening, and we're going to walk through whether we want to or not. One of the things she tells us that is going to happen in that time is that all earthly support is going to be withdrawn from God's people. How much is all? You ever thought about that? You know, how much does that actually entail? You know, your doctor, isn't it? Do we have any doctors here? Sometimes I get surprised. I was doing a seminar, and I, yeah, I was doing a seminar, and, and uh, I started talking about some of the medicines you can find out there if you're in a survival situation. And didn't realize that there were two doctors in the group. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> You know, uh, if you didn't have your pharmacy, would that would that dampen what you could accomplish? <laughs> okay. So, anyways, all earthly support. Well, you know, that's uh, you know, we're already told that we can't buy or sell. You know, so that takes out Walmart. So let's see. Well, we're going to have to cover stuff that's going to be covered that we would cover with Walmart, you know. So anyways, all earthly support. That's what she tells us, all of it. And uh, so anything that you can think of that you have the ability to do right now that somebody else is going to help you with, that's going to be taken away. Right? And uh, so what we're going to try and do is we're going to cover the basics. Now, there are a lot of things that we could cover. And we don't have the time to do that here, even when I teach the other survival classes, you know, even if we have a two-hour or two-and-a-half-hour free session, we still don't have time to get into everything that there could be. And so that's one of the reasons why we do hands-on, and we also do advanced, and uh, so that people that, you know, go through this, then they get the opportunity to do a beginner hands-on, and then once they've gone through that, then they get the opportunity to go to some advanced classes, and and at some point, I'd like to actually have a group, a small group, that's interested enough to actually go to Elite. Okay, that'd be fun. And uh, there are times when Scott and I would just strap our knife on our side and we'd head out and go make camp and see how we do, you know. And it'd be fun to have a group that was well enough with their skills that they could do that. So anyways, in, in time, we probably would get there. But anyways, all earthly supports a lot. <clears throat> what things do we gather together for this time? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I used to have the idea that uh, I would just, I'd pack my backpack, and I'd have that packed all the time. And I'd have my camping trailer ready to go. Okay, and when it come time that uh, I'd either grab my camping trailer or my backpack or both, and I'd be on my way. Okay, that's the way I used to think. And uh, then I was reading in Matthew chapter 24, and <clears throat> you know I'd read this before. Have you ever read something in the scriptures, and then you come back to it another time, and all of a sudden it hits you big time? You know, it's the Holy Spirit doing that. You know, 
and the Holy Spirit had a two by four baseball bat or whatever you want to envision, and he really smacked me with this. Okay. <clears throat> this is talking about Judea, which we're also told that this is going to be a dual uh, prophecy. Okay. Those are in Judea are going to flee to the mountains. Alright? Let him which is on the housetop not come down to how much they're going to take? Wow. Take anything out of the house. If they're up there working on the roof and it's time and the Holy Spirit says you need to go, they're going to go. Now yesterday, okay, those of you that were here, we found out that they can close a city down in how long? Ten minutes. Okay? Ten minutes they can shut a city down. Nobody in and nobody out. When the Holy Spirit says it's time to go, it's time to go. Those that were in Judea and, and God told them it's time for you to go when you see these signs. The ones that obeyed that, they were okay. There were others that lingered and they didn't Okay, let him which is on the housetop uh, not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. When I started reading this, the Holy Spirit went wham. It says when God's people go, they're going to go empty-handed. Okay, whatever you have with you at the time, that's what you're going with. And so <clears throat> I realized that all of the stuff that I've been really interested in for so long, you know, as a hobby, that's exactly what God's people are going to need. You know, when you go out there empty-handed, I'm not going to have my camping trailer. Okay? I'm not going to have my backpack unless it happens. I have it and the Holy Spirit says, okay, it's time for you to go. You know, but I probably won't even have that. And so, you know, uh, a lot of survival schools will start teaching how to have a bug out bag. You know, you build this bag and you hang it by the back door and it's time to bug out, you grab it. You may not be there, okay? And what we're, what the Bible's telling us, is you're not even going to go in your house to get your bug out bag. You're just going to leave. Okay, you're just going to leave. So, <clears throat> when God's people go, they're going to go empty-handed. That's what the scriptures are telling. That's what Jesus told us. When you look that up, it's a red letter and red letter additions. <clears throat> Don't worry about it. God's going to take care of his people. And that's true. But at the same time, I've heard uh, I've heard people say, well, you know, we don't have to learn anything because God's going to take we don't have to learn anything. <clears throat> Steps to Christ. Page one, two, three. That's pretty easy to remember, isn't it? She's talking about when Jesus said that, you know, God's going to provide for his people. He even provides for the animals, the little birds. They're not outside of his sight. Okay? Talking about that. Says the great provider for man and beast opens his hands and supplies all his creatures. The birds of the air are not beneath his notice. 
He does not, what doesn't he do? He does not drop the food into their bills. But he makes provisions for their needs. Wow. Okay. They must gather the grains he has scattered for them. They must prepare the materials for their little nest. They must uh, find, uh, feed their, their young. Is that going to apply to his people as well? <clears throat> when you, I sat down, started reading Great Controversy, early writings, and all the stuff I could find about the very end time. And when you do that, you're going to find a lot of different statements that she makes. Okay, you're going to find some statements that say that people, some people, are going to have it really easy. Now, I want to remind you that all these statements are talking about God's people that are headed to the kingdom. Okay, these are people that are going to get there. They're headed there. Okay, some are going to have it really easy. You'll see statements where some of them think they're going to starve. Some of them are going to eat manna. And some of them are going to be fed by ravens. Okay, you'll find these statements. And I started seeing all these statements and I'm starting to ask, wait a minute. God, these are all your people. Why is there such a difference in all these different statements that she does? Is that a good question? I mean, these are all God's people, and He's promised to take care of them. Why is there a difference? Such a difference? Well, <clears throat> I started uh, actually, uh, does God, <clears throat> does He give opportunity at times for His people to learn something? And if they don't take the opportunity, does that make a difference? Okay, Proverbs here. Here's a situation where God has given an opportunity and His people didn't take the opportunity. Well, let's notice what happens. Okay. Turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I will uh, pour out my Spirit upon you. I will make known my words unto you because I have called and ye refused. I have... Uh, Stretch out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would not, none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your, when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh, and desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when disaster and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me. When are they going to do it? When it starts getting tough, right? And he gave him opportunity before that, didn't he? Then you should call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear of the Lord. They, will <clears throat> uh, they would none of my counsel they despised all my reproof. Therefore, shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Okay. God gives opportunity 
And if his people doesn't take the opportunity, it can make a difference. And when I saw this, and I started thinking, you know, I think the Holy Spirit was talking to me. And uh, you guys, you're taking the opportunity to learn something. Okay? You already know that this is coming. And and a lot of people have a fear about what's coming because they don't know how to live out there. Okay? You're taking the opportunity to actually learn something. That's good. Okay? There are others. I've had some people that have come here to a class and they go back to their church and they want us to come to their church and teach their church. But the elders say, no, we don't have to do that stuff. You know, God's going to take care of us. You know, those that have the opportunity and don't take it, maybe those are the ones that are starving or think they're starving. It doesn't say they're going to starve to death. It just says they think they're going to starve. Okay, God still keeps them going. All right? Those that take the opportunity, all these skills that I'm going to teach here, if you guys learn them, I can guarantee you it will help in that time. Okay? It definitely will help. Okay? So those that maybe have learned these types of things, uh, they're the ones that have it easy. Now we know that in the very end that things are going to happen and people are going to turn to the Lord at that time. They are not going to have the opportunity to learn what we're having the opportunity to learn. Maybe those are the ones that are fed by manna and fed by ravens. Yeah, that's about the only thing I could think of that would answer why there was such a difference in statements about God's people that are headed to the kingdom. You know. So anyways, keep that in mind. Look at this last little pit. But whosoever hearketh unto me shall <clears throat> dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear and evil. Don't worry. Now, what did we learn yesterday? Look to him. Okay. And he will take care of his people. He will. Okay. So let's learn these things. <clears throat> Does God want us to handle the danger? What did we learn yesterday? Uh, <clears throat> Israel. They were getting bit by snakes. Did God teach them how to handle poisonous snakes? No. Uh, we talked about the disciples in the boat. Some of these guys were fishermen. They knew how to handle a storm. But this storm, when you read in the book of Mark, had already filled the boat. Did, God, did Jesus get up when they woke him up? Did he teach them how to bail faster? The water was still in the boat, wasn't it? Okay. God wants us to look to Him and then He will handle the danger. He wants to be our big brother. Okay, I have a big brother. and There was a time in school that I had some bullies that wanted to go after me and my big brother said, don't worry, I'll go to school with you. God wants to go to school with you. He wants you to look to Him. And then he will handle the danger. Okay? It's not up to us to handle the danger. We talked about yesterday that the stuff that was going on around the, the uh, boat that the, that the disciples were in, the stuff was so great that they couldn't handle it. Okay? Their own skills didn't have enough. 
And that's why they got afraid because their own inabilities wasn't, a, they weren't enough to take care of what was going on. But when Jesus asked the question, why are you afraid? He asked that to get them to turn their attention off themselves and their own inabilities to handle that. Look to him. And then he turned around and handled that danger. That's what he wants. He wants to be our big brother. Okay? You want him to be your big brother? Look to him and he'll handle that danger. He doesn't want us doing it. Okay? Because then, well, look what I did. Okay? He doesn't want any of that. The Father hates that, you know, when we get puffed up. <clears throat> Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows what we need, doesn't he? No matter what we're in, no matter where we're at, whatever situation, he knows what we need. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Okay? Isn't that a wonderful promise? That's another one where you put on a sticky note and you stick it on your refrigerator. You write another one and you put it on your mirror. Put another one on the dash of your car. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those things will be added unto you. That's a good promise. Okay, we're talking about living in the wilderness in the end times. There are, in a survival situation, there are five areas that you are definitely going to run into. And so at least this week, we're going to at least touch on those five areas. Okay? And uh, <clears throat> usually, when I start talking to people, especially about the end time, you know, quite often when I just talk about a survival situation, what is one of the first things that come to your mind? You know, you're the first group that's ever said something other than food. Okay? Water comes in, and water's important. Tomorrow we'll go over some water. Okay? Okay? But there are a lot, of, there are four other things that you're going to run into. When, when, it's, when the Holy Spirit says it's time to go, there are four other things that you're going to run into that you're going to need. One is a shelter. Okay? We're going to talk about shelters today. Yeah, he's gonna. He's gonna want. You're gonna want a shelter, right? And uh, <clears throat> another thing is is water. Okay, several people have mentioned water, and that kind of makes me grin because I don't know how many times I've asked that question, and every every time. Now I can't say that, but every time, food. What am I gonna eat? You know, food. What am I, we're gonna cover that too. Okay, at least touch on it. Right? <clears throat> Actually. You know, with a condensed time, we're, we're going to touch on some. Uh, I do have a DVD of an actual wild edible seminar that I did. It's almost three hours long. And so there are a whole bunch more on that. And uh, so if you guys want a, a whole gamut, then get that DVD. So anyways, and then, uh, you know, food is one thing. And then 
there's another thing that fire. You know, you're going to want a fire. Well, if I leave and I didn't have time to go get some matches or a bic or my, you know, if I don't have that, how am I going to start a fire? Well, we're going to go over some techniques, and we we aren't going to have time to go over everything, but we'll look at we'll look at four areas, okay? Four areas of different ways in each area that you can start fires. Okay, we'll look at those four areas and uh, give you ideas. And uh, then there's one that nobody ever guesses, and uh, that's cordage or rope or string, stuff like that. You know, nobody ever guesses that, but that's something, you know. If, if you want to lash together a lean-to, we're going to look at lean-to today. If you want to lash together a lean-to, well, you got two shoelaces. Um, how far is that going to go? Um, you can start tearing off some of your shirt, but pretty soon you're going to want to keep the rest of that. Um, is that going to get you a lean-to? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some techniques and some materials on what Mother Nature gives you out there so that you can actually make some cordage. And uh, so we'll do that on Friday. And uh, a lot of times I, I give opportunity to actually make some, but this group's too big. And uh, so you have to come in on to one of hands on, and uh, then we'll get into that, and you guys can, can actually make a piece. And uh, actually we'll make more than a piece, because a lot of times uh, if you come to the, to the advance, a lot of times we're going to make something from our, we're going to have to make the cordage to make it, okay? So that's kind of fun, you know, I kind of, everybody likes that, you know, and then when it get all done, everybody's taking a picture of what we made, you know, so, <clears throat> so anyways, we want to get into shelters today, and uh, actually, I, uh, I have a little video clip, well, I don't, Scott does, and uh, we're going to talk about a debris hut here, debris hut is probably one of the it, well, it, it's one of the best shelters that you can do out there in, in the wild. And uh, if it's anywhere near going to get cold at night, this is a good shelter. Okay? If it's not cold at night, these can get a little too warm. Right? But, but these debris huts, now they get their name debris hut because we're going to use the debris that's on the forest floor. Okay, now these debris huts that we're going to show, you could actually use them when it's way below zero, and it'll still keep you warm, okay? Now, <clears throat> we could actually go through all the steps to make one, and it takes about usually 45 minutes to an hour, and depending on the materials you have available right there, sometimes a little over an hour, but we're going to have Scott show us how to do it, because he can do it in 11 minutes. Okay, that's pretty good, huh? Of course, uh, they cut some of the film, so. But, uh, so anyways, let's look here. Hold on. Now we're going to have to see, because we're going to go through the microphone here, so. Well, I know we have an exciting show today. It's not one of the other Well, we're going to have basics. We'll go cover shelter, which is the most important. What makes that important is most people, when they are lost in the woods, whether day hikers or campers or hunters, dive exposure the first night and possibly the first few hours of being exposed to uh, elements. Um, so that does make that number one. Number two would be water. 
And water is uh, very important. I, the best I can say about water is if we had no drinking water on this planet, for the, ten, for the next 10 days, there would probably not be one living human being left on Earth. You think about that. Water is pretty important. And then there's uh, fire and then food. And we're going to cover a couple edible plants that you can actually pick up here in the wintertime with snow on the ground and identify them and dig down and possibly get a root for supper. It might not be steak and lobster, but it might be enough to get you through the night and make you have something to chew on and get your mind off being lost. And another thing I want to cover is most people, when they first realize they're lost, and I've done it myself, you get that panic and you start panicking. you got to catch yourself and stop yourself and don't panic because panic will kill you. You got to keep calm and uh, start making a plan of what you're going to do. Stop and think what you're going to do. And the first thing is shelter. And we'll be building one in a few minutes just from the stuff you find in the forest floor. And it's really easy and simple. And it'll keep you out of the wind and out of the elements for the night. Great. Well, I look forward to it. Let's get on with our hike here. We found this spot out in the woods to make our shelter for the night. Scott, tell me what made you try to decide on this spot. Well, not only is there the lack of snow here, but there's a lot, I see a lot of uh, material here to build this particular tree uh, hut, which is a survival shelter. I want people to remember this is to keep you alive overnight, keep your body in your body where it belongs to keep you alive. It is not a big ballroom, it is a survival shelter. So that's why it's small. We look for a crotch in a tree, possibly a stump, something to this ridge pole. This ridge pole we just picked out a few minutes ago. They're all over in the woods, of course. Now what we got of our ridge pole laid here, we can clean up the debris through here. Sticks and things that you might be laying on during the night, like just make your angle more comfortable. Then once you get your ridge pole in place, you want to make sure your ridge pole is about two feet longer than you are tall. So you have a little bit of foot room in there. And then what you start doing is picking up sticks off the forest floor, break them off, dead ones, you don't have to take anything live at all. And we're going to start making, laying ribs along this thing. And once we get our ribs laid, and we'll throw debris on top of this thing, and keep throwing it on until it's quite thick. You know, two, four inches of shed water. A foot and a half of your body heat, what you actually heat this thing. Once I get this shelter built, then I crawl in feet first. I get a pile of these in front of me and throw into the doorway so there's no air cold air, air coming in. This thing will actually breathe, so you're not going to suffocate, but it look like a pile of leaves. I always tell kids, make sure you hang up something, a t-shirt, whatever you can afford to hang up, because searchers will walk right by these things and think they're just a brush pile. It'll look like this pile right here, just this little camouflaged, if you will, but it's really a cool shelter and it's the best. I've been doing this for 20 years. This is the one I teach for overnight survival. It's the best. Well, that's what I was thinking about when you said we crawl in and cover up the end. Great. Gonna see us right, <laughs> and anything else. I've had these things in the summertime where the mosquitoes were bad. I didn't really need a shelter, but I built one of these things and I got out of the mosquitoes because they could make a night, a long night, okay. bad. All right, well, let's get started building. Okay, grab the stick off the ground and start laying the bed. Like this, Karen? Yeah. Just cross them. We're pretty much there already. Okay, Sharon, now you can see we've got our 
ridge pole through here. We've been laying uh, ribs through here to get our frame. Now what we're going to do now is we're going to pick up some of this debris right here. Now if we didn't have this debris, we had snow on the ground, we could, you could use snow. But if there's no, if I have a choice, I would rather use litter, horse litter, litter. And uh, what we're going to do now, we're going to start covering this. We'll just lay the last couple branches on here. This is going to be our doorway over here. And another thing I want to bring up, when we were building this thing, we never walked over 20 yards from this spot. No. We weren't tramping over the, tramping over the ground, um, forest, looking for the stuff. It's readily available here. You just got to look at things from a different eye. And, say, and that's what you've got to do when you're going to do this stuff. Is every time you're in the woods, think, well, if I was lost, what would I use this for? What could I do? And that's what things you got to do. So, all right, we're going to start laying a little uh, debris on here. What I like to do, when I collect this debris, I'll grab a stick like so, and I'll start making it up. I'll have to bend over for it. Then you start bringing debris down, and we're going to start throwing the debris on here. Now, some of it might fall through, and that's like a big deal. You just take some of your. See a hole here, a hole here. We'll just start gathering through the debris. Okay. Here we can hear the acorns. They got snow in the middle of the leaves over there. Fall through. That's just that much more bedding you've got. Now, as you can see, Sharon, we've been covering this thing with debris. We're the only two that's still warm. He went down his cold cameraman. He definitely built some heat to it. You do. And the thing is, even if you're sweaty, warm, and everything's wet, you still stay warm. It might be a steamy warm, but you stay, still stay warm in these things. That's the beauty of these things. We have a cutoff section here showing where we haven't covered with debris yet. So the viewers can see the unfinished product and how it would look at the cutaway. They get the idea of how to build one of these things. I'm hoping viewers do go out with their grandkids or kids themselves, build one of these things in, this, in the woods of spring, and get into it because it makes you 12 years old again when you're crawling into one of these things. It's great. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to crawl in and show how a person would be laying in there and we'll finish this, this thing up. Okay. And uh, this here, what we have here, no more debris, debris we have on here, would shed a downpour. Okay. It would shed downpour. I've been in these things where it just poured. And I've never ever had one leak on me. And once you keep throwing debris on, and what else you got to do? You're lost. Right. right. So you keep throwing the debris on, and once you can reach down and feel that ribbon, you're up to here. Then your body heat will heat this thing. It sounds like a lot of work, but it didn't took us just a few minutes to do this. Yeah. Like I say, what else you got to do? You're right. lost. So I'm gonna crawl this thing. Okay. And give a side view of how it looks inside. myself enough room so my shoulder I made these things with the shoulder uh, the bridge pole was slow enough I couldn't turn over at night that's a little too bit too close but right now I am comfy in here the only thing I'm missing is my teddy bear other than that I'm good to go and I for the doorway I put a pile lead in front of it throw them up in front of the doorway and you're like in a cocoon overnight and you're protected from the elements mm -hmm. and you're gonna be alive the next day 
complain how uncomfortable you were. As you can see, this is all camouflage. Scott is inside right now, laying down. Hopefully not taking a nap yet, Scott. But as you can see, anybody walking by would not know that he's in there. And as Scott pointed out to us before, you want to put something up to identify that you are in there. And what we've done is we've put the glove up in the tree so that anybody walking by will kind of check this out and find Scott and then hopefully save his life. Well, we're at the front of our shelter now, and as you can see, Scott's inside, getting all cozy. Um, as he had told us before, putting the leaves forward to cover up the opening. Scott, any last pointers that you want to give us? Yes. Uh, what I would do is actually this door would be made smaller, mm -hmm. quite a bit smaller. So I'm just kind of squeezing in so I can easily, more easily cover the doorway with the leaves. So I can don't have that cold draft coming in. And all you have is warm air here. Like I say, you can't suffocate these things. It does breathe. These leaves do breathe. Does to know that we're all suffocating and you're in a uh, tighter environment as far as holding your body heat in. Okay, great. Well, we're going to go to our next step of outdoor survival, uh, trying to keep ourselves alive if we're ever lost in the woods. We'll be right back. I'm going to crawl inside and check this shelter out with myself. Scott said normally you either go in on your stomach or on your back, depending on how you lay at home. So I lay on my side, so I'm just going to kind of go in on my stomach. Under. This is pretty cozy. <laughs> wow. I like it. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> that's a debris hut. And uh, we have to have a ridge pole. How long does that ridge pole need to be? You guys are good. Two foot longer and you are tall. That gives you a little bit of foot room down there. Okay, and you want to brace it so that it's a little wider, or actually a little higher than you are wide, so that you can roll over at night. Your body is going to give off about 400 BTUs of heat. Now, 400 seems like a big number, but go down to your furnace and take a look at the BTUs that that puts out. That's hundreds of thousands of BTUs. Okay, so 400 is not all that much. So you need to build a cocoon that's going to hold your heat in there in that area. Okay, so <clears throat> this is one that I found a lot of years ago on the internet. And this is a very well built one. So we're going to look at some pictures. They're a little bit grainy, but they're still there. Okay, so this is a ridge pole. And then we're going to put the ribs on there. And I want you to notice that all of these ribs... There we go. Notice how all these are snapped off just a little above our ridge pole. That is a very good thing. Okay, if your ridge pole is here and you got one sticking way up, if it starts raining, what happens is the rain hits this and then it drools down underneath and it brings that water right in on you. You're going to want to cover all these with leaves. Okay. Now, how much leaves do we want? Okay, when you reach down in through there, you want them to be in your armpit. Okay, that's uh, if you get it that deep, this stuff will hold your heat, yeah, even in sub-zero weather. It'll also last for a whole weekend rain, and you will not get wet. Okay, and it breathes, so you don't have to worry about that. Okay, 
So once we get our ribs on there, then we're going to put some cross braces on. Uh, these aren't very many. Let's see. Okay. I like to go get underneath the pine trees where the limbs have died and they got all the little fingery limbs. I like to grab those and use those on the side. They work really well. Okay. Then you're going to throw leaves on and, and uh, look at how much leaves they got on that. That right there will do a very good job at keeping you warm even if it gets really, really cold out. Okay. So this is a well-built one. Let's take a look at some others. Uh, that's another view there. What do you think of that one? Is there problems with that one? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit big, isn't it? Is your 400 BTUs going to heat that one up? They're having fun though, aren't they? Okay. What do they do inside that thing? They strip the ground bare. If you lay on bare ground, what's going to happen? Any pathfinders here that's ever done that? <laughs> yeah, okay. It's going to, conduction it's called. You're going to get cold, okay? They are a little high, aren't they? If it rains, they're going to get a little wet there. Okay, how about that one? Maybe it's a good thing they got their sleeping bag there. And, you know, yeah. Okay, that's a little big. But that'd be fun to play in that, wouldn't it? Okay, here's some that are closer, but how are you going to plug that hole? You know how Scott said he'd make his hole smaller so that he could pull a batch of leaves in and plug it up. That'd be quite a try to deal to plug, wouldn't it? If you're in a warmer temperature, let's say 70s at night like it is now, you know, you can get away with a different kind of uh, shelter. You know, and sometimes Mother Nature can give you stuff right there ready to make a shelter. Here we got a fallen tree. We can stick some old bark up there and you can just climb in underneath and get yourself a quick little shelter. Okay, <clears throat> if you look underneath pine trees, I've never found one that uh, had a cavity that deep, but you can find cavities in them. And a lot of times you'll pick them up and you can just roll in underneath and you got yourself a good little shelter. And you'll be surprised and how much that pine tree will keep the mosquitoes out. Now one thing I want to give you a warning as we go through these, I'll give you warnings. So what am I going to give you? A warning. If you pick the limbs up, you find this tree and you, you know, here's a good spot. You pick some limbs up and you find a whole bunch of bird exhaust under there. There are times, that, there are certain trees that birds, they all like that tree. Okay? And that's a telltale sign that this is one that they like, and that's not one that you're going to like. <laughs> you're going to get rained on in the night, and it's not going to be water droplets, okay? So <clears throat> if that's the case, then you don't want that tree. <clears throat> These are lean-tos. A lean-to can work, uh, especially in warmer weather. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of these pictures I got out of... Uh, an Air Force survival manual. And one of the first things they tell them to take is their parachute and their cords and stuff like that because there's all kinds of stuff they can do with them. And uh, so here they're using that. But lean-tos are very good. Lean-tos can work when, even when it gets cold if you have elongated fire out in front of them. Okay, so if it's getting down even in the 30s and stuff, if you keep the fire going, then the lean-tos still work pretty good. Snow shelters. Now, <clears throat> Jesus had something to say about 
our plight. Remember what he said? Pray that your plight will be not in the winter. Does he say that it's not going to be in the winter? Okay, he just says pray that it's not in the winter. He wouldn't tell us, would he? Okay, pray that it's not in the winter. I often thought, you know, you got one hemisphere or the other hemisphere, and one of them's going to be, and then I got thinking, well, you know, if, if God did this either in the fall or the spring, both hemispheres would be kind of tolerable. Maybe. I'm not marking a date or a time, remember. Okay, but maybe. Maybe that's what his plan is. I don't know. We'll find out. Okay, but pray this not in the winter. So, in the winter time, now here's one of the things that they taught their guys how to do. They're going to take their parachute and they're going to stuff it full of a bunch of stuff, make a big round ball out of it, and then they're going to throw snow on top and pack it. Okay, and then when they get done, they're going to pull the stuff out of there and pull the parachute out, and then they got themselves a little, little cave. Okay, now how many of us, when we go, are going to have a parachute? I'm going to lay a bet that none of us would have a parachute. So why, Jay, are you even covering this? Well, you know the Indians used to make a night shelter, and it's called a Quincy. And it's very similar to this. And what they would do, instead of a parachute and stuffing it full, they would just make a great big mound of snow. And then they would let it settle for half an hour or an hour. And then they would start digging. Well, first of all, you got to do something else. Because once you're in there, you can't tell how far you are to the outside. You're going to go out in the field or you're going to go in there and you're going you're gonna to break off some sticks. And, and uh, you can go out in the field and break off weeds. And you want them about this long. Okay, and then what you're going to do is come back to your mound, and then you're going to stick these into the snow, and every one you stick, you're going to point it directly to the center of that mound. So the top ones are going to go this way. As you come down the mound, they're going to do this way. And when you get down to the bottom, they're going to go this way. Okay, you're going to point them to the middle. And then you're going to start digging a hole for a doorway. And then as you go, when you run into the end of one of those sticks, you're going to stop digging that way and continue digging until you expose all of those sticks. And now you've got a little hut that is that deep all the way around. Okay, and they're called Quincy's. The Indians used them. That's their name. They would do over and over and over. They were a night lodge okay, in the wintertime. And uh, so it's a Quincy is what they're called. And so you can do the same type of thing. Is, a, is what they're doing here. So that's why I cover that. Now, whenever you pack snow, now Scott talked about using snow. Whenever you pack snow, it no longer will breathe. Okay, so you have to give a breathing hole. All right? Here's something you can do if you have a drift. A lot of times this would be in the mountains. Okay, If you have a drift, and that drift has to be about five foot deep this way. Okay, you could start digging in there, make a T, and uh, save those first blocks that you pull out because you're going to use them again. And then, then you're going to dig this little hole back in there and a shelf, and then you're going to stick the blocks back in there. And that's going to block all that air that's trying to come in. Now, here's a better look at it. I want to point out a couple of things. We have a cold air sinks, and so that's what happens down here. 
then you got kind of a working area here to where you can daytime sit and stuff, and then you're sleeping up here. Okay, this is what I really want to point out that air vent because that then wind blowing and it's packed and it will not breathe. And if you don't have an air vent, you're going to run into trouble. Okay, so you got to keep track of that. Make sure there's an air vent. If you have snow that has been driven by wind across the prairie, uh, real stiff wind, okay, like the Eskimos, they make their, they make their igloos. <clears throat> well, if you get a wind-driven surface, and uh, I've only found this kind of snow a couple of times in my lifetime here in Michigan, but when the snow actually gets to the point to where you can cut out a block and you rub the blocks together, and it sounds like styrofoam, okay? Then you can make these kind of things, all right? Now, <clears throat> you're gonna cut in the snow, then you're gonna pull the first block out, then you're gonna go underneath and lift the other ones out. That first block, make it short, because I'm gonna tell you right now, you're gonna break it trying to get it out of there. Okay, so make the first one short, and then go ahead and sacrifice that one, and then go ahead and lift in underneath the other ones. And uh, you can stack these. Now, you notice that, you know, you, you stack them this way, but then he's putting these up on the ends to block, and he's got a little bit of an air hole up there. you got to have that air hole, right? And then uh, this is really elaborate because he's got his regular, he's got that, and then he's got a little tunnel that he makes, and then he puts a wind block in front of that tunnel so that wind can't come in. So, anyways, so that's the snow shelters there. And uh, what about wet climate shelters? Well, you know, we may be down in the rainforest when the Holy Spirit says, oh, it's time to go. Now, <clears throat> there are two things that are going to be very common amongst all of the wet, or the, uh, the wet sh uh, climate shelters. Two things. One of them is you're going to have a raised bed. Okay? That one is very important. It's more important than the second thing. Okay, why is the raised bed important? Well, when you're down there in those warm areas that rain every day and it's wet all the time, there are a lot of creepy crawlies. A lot, a lot more than we have here. And if you lay right on the ground in the middle of the night, those creepy crawlies are going to come and join you. Okay, and <clears throat> a lot of those creepy crawlies can bite. You'll wake up with a rash everywhere, and you'll be itching. Okay, we'll show you some plants that would help that if that happened. But if you do a raised bed, then most of them will stay on the floor. And, you know, sometimes you'll find some climbing up, but it's a whole lot less than if you're laying right there on the floor. Okay, the second thing that you're going to find is they're going to have a roof because it rains every day at some point, maybe all day during the monsoons, okay? So you're going to have a roof, right? So raised bed is number one, and then the roof helps as well. Your roof is going to be shingled. Now, these shingles here, they're made with banana leaves. Now, I've romped Michigan's woods a lot, and you know what? I, don't, I have never run into a banana tree in Michigan. Okay, and when you shingle, you start at the bottom and you ro lay a row and then you s 
now you're the next row, so it overlaps that the next. So, Jay, why are we showing banana leaf shingles? Well, <clears throat> here in Michigan, you know, we could use cattails. We could use long grasses. We could use reeds, and you just make a bundle. And if you make three bundles, if you got two of them like this and one more like that, that would work as a shingle. Okay, so <clears throat> we go ahead and teach shingles because, no, we don't have banana leaves, but you may be near an area where there's a whole bunch of burdock, and those are big leaves. They look like the rhubarb leaves, you know. And you can shingle with those, okay? So, so anyways, we want to show shingling, and uh, that's a good method, okay? We've got a whole bunch of stuff that we talked about. We've got more that we talked about. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and whatever you need, this is a promise, isn't it? Whatever you need, he will provide, won't he? Okay, at this point, I'm going to invite you guys, not here at camp meeting, but when you go home, to go practice. Okay, go practice. If you come on to the hands-on, we, we go ahead and build one as a group. So You can use some bark, okay, if you can't find leaves, but a lot of times they're there if you hunt. You know, you got to look, for, if it's in, in the fall, you got all kinds of them. After that, the wind is going to blow them in and they're going to get trapped somewhere. Okay, so you got to find those wind-blowing spots, right? So, poison ivy. We're going to talk about poison ivy yet before we're done this week. Okay. Did you ever get poison ivy? Very much allergic to poison ivy. Good. We'll show you some plants that will help that. Okay. Another question? Um, all right, let's back up here a little bit. All right. <clears throat> you notice how they'll have these parts right here lashed on, and then they have a cross member. Okay. Here they got a hammock in there. And this is another one where they lash it on there. See, here's another one that's done that way. So. That's how you're going to make that. You're going to take some poles and you're going to lash into other poles so that it's up off the floor. Okay. That's right. Cordy's, yeah, you're, you're probably going to have two shoelaces, but I'm going to tell you right now that we could count these up. Uh-oh. Uh we don't have enough. Well, maybe you can borrow your buddy's. <laughs> and then tell him, well, he, I don't know what you're going to do. Or maybe we could go to Friday and learn how to make stuff that, that's out there in Mother Nature. So that's how you're going to do those. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> you got pine trees though, right? Fir trees. You can use pine needles. Okay, they're a little bit pokey, but uh, <clears throat> one of the things that the Indians used to do is uh, every two days, they would change it out, but they would go get the very ends of the fir trees, the very ends of the limbs, and they would line their floor. And, and when they cut one off, they all went in the same direction and put it across their floor. And every two days, they would change that out. And, and so that kind of worked pretty good on the floor. Okay? And uh, if, you know, if you didn't have leaves, you can use, you're going to want to thicken them. Okay, but you can use pine boughs. 
Uh, pine boughs can be used on your on your lean-tos, and those are pretty good, so they don't have to be as thick. What you want to do is make sure you make enough layers so that when the water goes through the first layer, it hits the second. You want to have enough layers so it's on the ground before it gets through. Okay. So if you're getting wet, I mean, you got to add some more layers on the outside. And uh, you can use those on the inside. That that would work, wouldn't it? Okay, that would save you a shoelace, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yep. You'd bury those in the ground and then you could use those to support your your elongated one. Pardon? Yes, down in the wetlands. Down in the wetland the wet climates where uh, where you're gonna end up having Pardon? Yeah, here she's saying the last couple of days. Has it been a little wet here? <laughs> anybody ventured out of the camp and gone up the road and see the tree on top of those two trucks? They, found, they finally got the trucks uncovered. <laughs> but you guys must have had some wind here too, right? Yeah. Okay, but what she's telling us is that we have a handout on this one and all those pictures that we had up here and writing, we do have a handout on that one. And uh, people like the handouts, but then they started asking for video. So we s switched off of doing handouts and made videos instead. So we have, but we do have the handouts on this one. If we have your email address, she will go ahead and send you handout on this one. So, <clears throat> do we have any other questions? Did you guys learn anything today? Was this helpful? Do you feel a little bit better now about going out there and uh, at least getting something to sleep in? Okay, we're still going to be hungry and we still need a fire. And we. What if you don't have shoelaces? Come Friday. Come Friday because we're going to show you how to make shoelaces out of stuff that Mother Nature gives us. Okay, we're going to show you how to make a little string run up to a big rope. Okay, you can do all of the above. So, well, <clears throat> it's been fun. I enjoy this, especially when other people come and want to enjoy my hobby, you know. And uh, so... But anyways, I want to ask the Lord to be with you guys as we depart here. So let's go ahead and bow our heads. Dear Father, thank you for the things that we have learned today. Help us to cement the things that we're going to need in that time, in our brains, so that we remember. Help us actually, Lord, to have time and opportunity to go out and practice this. And uh, we'll learn what is useful, what isn't, what works and what doesn't. And uh, when the time comes, Maybe we can help someone else as well. So, thank you, Lord. Go with us. Help us to learn more this week here at Camp Me. This we pray in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www 
www.audioverse.org.